Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Well, praise God, we've been dealing with true spirituality, and we've been looking at what it really looks like to be spiritual. We've been walking through the book of Romans, and in fact, if you would open up, we've been walking through the chapter 12, Romans 12, and just been looking at what true spirituality really is, what it really is. And one of the things that we found out is that true spirituality is not governed by what you wear, by how you talk, how you walk, whether or not you put on makeup or tie your hair up in a bun. Doesn't matter. True spirituality is really based upon relationships. Today we're going to look at the relationship that we have with each other as believers. But what I want to do is I want to go back and I just want to read the verses leading up to verse 9 because I don't want you to think that the verses we're going to deal with today, 9 through 13, are isolated. They belong together. So turn to Romans 12, and I want us just to look. I want us to start at verse 1. We're going to read verse 1, and we're going to talk about what relationship that is. We're going to read verse 2, talk about its relationship, and so forth. So verse 1, let's read it together. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Stop right there. So here, the first relationship that we saw is we said it's about our relationship with who? God. It's about our relationship with God. And in this relationship, you and I have to do what? Surrender. We got to surrender. We got to surrender. And when we surrender, what happens is we're at a place where we get God's power. So our first relationship is relationship with God, and in that relationship, what we have to do is surrender, and when we surrender, we're going to get what? Power. We'll get God's power. Verse 2, and do not be, come on, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Stop right there. He says, now when you move on from your relationship with God, it's talking now about our relationship with what? The world, our relationship with the world. And he said, in this relationship, we have to be willing to do what? Separate. We got to separate. Somebody say separate. 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 He says, when we separate from the world, then we can get God's peace. We won't be trying to run like the world, operate like the world, act like the world, getting agitated, fidgety, and all of that. When you separate from the world, then you can get God's peace. Verse 3. Let's go on from, let's do 3 through 8. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So now he says, we're moving into our relationship that we have with ourselves. So it's no more touch your neighbor, it's touch yourself. And he says, so in this relationship with ourselves, we need to have a sober self-assessment. Because when we can really understand who we are in view of who God is, then at that point we can get our purpose. We can pursue purpose. So now we're going to move into verses 9 through 13. And I want, we're going to talk about how true spirituality really shows itself when we look at our relationship with other believers that are around us. And our whole goal here is going to be to serve because when we serve, then we can get God's presence. Is that good? All right, let's look at verse 9 through 13. Y'all ought to know this by heart because you're still reading Romans 12 every day, ain't you? Oh, I only heard one or two. (laughs) If you're not, you need to start. Get back on it. Get back on it. It's like a bicycle. Just get back on and start riding. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and giving to hospitality. So now let's talk about how true spirituality can be seen when we serve in love. True spirituality, serve in love. It's amazing because when we get to verses 9 through 13, it's so easy to look at them as a separate and distinct set of verses. But the reality is, after he's talked about all of these gifts that we have and who we are, He wants us to understand the importance of not allowing our giftedness to get in the way of our serving in love. Because we have something inside of us, that human nature, that human being, that when we start realizing who we are and what we have, we can kind of get this swag on us. You know, it's kind of like when you get a new pair of shoes. And you got a new pair of shoes, and now all of a sudden you put that outfit on. When you walk out, boy, you got swag. Can't nobody tell you nothing. Everywhere you walk, you be like, man, who do you think you are, mister? Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
So he says, in relation to all of that, it's important for me to get your perspective to understand everything you have is not about your giftedness so much as it is about your love. It's about your willingness to be in relationship with one another that says there's something that this love thing does in me that causes me to act a certain way outside of what I normally would do. But the love can only come into play, Marcus, when there is this transformation. And that's why it's important that we don't take verses 9 through 13 and separate them from verses 1 through 2. Because in verse 1 and 2, he starts helping us to understand who we really are, what we really need to do, how God has his whole plan set up. But he says, you got to understand all this happens when you can serve in love. I want us to look at it because I want us to look and see that each of these spaces that he's talking about, they're really a manifestation of what happens when love is in operation. So if you look at it, he says, true spirituality really shows itself in love, but he says we got to look at verse 9. He says we got to see love without hypocrisy. (laughs) Alyssa, this is, you know, Alyssa Jr., this is a, this is a, this is a hard one because we, we used to lie in the people. You know, people come to us and just because we don't want to hurt their feelings sometimes, you know. G- we, girls, we practice it all the time. Somebody say, how this look? We'll say, good. <laughs> hard, well, I'm hardly cracking a smile. You know it does not look good. But you just don't want to hurt that person's feelings. And so as a result, we have grown up. We have been accustomed to saying things that are not true because we want to prevent a person from being hurt. But the Bible says that love should be without hypocrisy. In other words, this word hypocrisy is from a hypocrite. A hypocrite in these times, in Roman times, were people who were actors. They put on masks, and so it would be like you saw them one way, and then they put on a mask, and you see them another way. And so what happened is you could never really determine who the real person was because every time you saw them, they had a mask on, and they were acting another way. So here he's saying to them, it's important that you let love be without acting. Let love be in a place where you're not putting on a mask trying to act one way. Hey, 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 look at here. Hypocrisy shows itself up in two ways. One way is we put a mask on to try and act like something that we're not. So you you remember when Jesus met the disciples and he said to them, he said, you whitewashed tombs. He looked at them. He says, you look so good on the outside, but in the reality, you are dead on the inside. Because what happened is they looked nice. They had on all the regalia. They were dressed up. Come on, somebody. Dressed up, looking good, had on, you know, their Prada and their polo and their Nike and all that, looking so good. But he said, if I were to strip you down on the inside, what is in there does not match what I'm seeing out here. So he says, in order for us to serve, we got to move. Let me say, hypocrisy is us acting like we're not something, but it also shows itself when we want to point out the flaws of other people. Because what happens is we want to talk about who they are 
so we don't have to talk about who we really are. And what I found is that many times what we see in other people is who we either are or who we used to be. That's why we can pull it out. Come on. That's why we can pick it out. That's why we can identify it because we know what it looks like because that's either who we used to be or what we used to do. And secretly inside, we want people to think we're something else, but we're so able to detect that thing because it's still in there. Oh, Lord, this is going to be, this is going to be tight. I, I'm, it's just, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight today. I know we had happy Thanksgiving to you too. <laughs> I know you had a good holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. I still love you because he said, if y'all love you, I have to tell you the truth. Because sometimes we watch people make mistakes and we watch people in situations and they're there all because we are not honest enough to have enough love in us. Hey, 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 hey. Enough love to tell them the truth. And the reason why we can't do it is because we got an issue with them from the beginning. So he says, our love has to be without this mask. Our love has to be, stop acting. Saying some people in the body of Christ, because he's talking about believers right now. We ain't talking about the world. We ain't talking about the world. You know, we always say, I ain't coming to church because, you know, the people at church are a hypocrite. Well, your boss is too, but you go to work every day. And there's every time that you call in and say, I ain't coming today because y'all are hypocrite. You go. But he's saying what has to happen with us as a part of this transformation process is in being transformed. We have to look for ways to get out everything that's not true. Everything is like, nope, that's not, no, that's not who he called me to be. That, uh-uh, that's not it. We have to look for ways to separate ourselves from hypocrisy. So whenever we speak, we speak the truth in love. A lady told me one time, she said, the thing that I don't like about you is she said, you agitate people to righteousness. <laughs> and she said, and I always feel like if I just wanted to stay in this spot when I'm around you, I can't stay there because you have this way of just agitating me to want to get it right. She was serious. That's why she said she ain't with me. So Sally, I figure, you know, if she don't want me to tell her the truth, then there's no need in us being together. It's Okay. Because true love is truth. It's truth. Somebody say it's truth. So he says, I'm looking for you to have this real love, this real love, and this love that is genuine. But look at what he says. Genuine love produces a few things. The first thing he says is genuine love produces this objectivity. In other words, it can object to evil. Real love, when you're walking in, okay, see, I got to watch myself. I got to, Mary, Mary J came down for a second. You heard her? She was right there. She said, real love. Y'all heard her? <laughs> Did y'all hear? <laughs> Come on, stop being religious. Yes. To our guests in here, we are not religious. We talking about true spirituality, amen. But listen to this. Genuine love is objective enough to abhor what is evil. Genuine love has a real discernment attached to it. So he says, when you have genuine love, you 
abhor. In other words, you detest. You can't stand what is evil when you got real love operating in you. He said, when real love shows itself, you can't, you get like God. Turn to Proverbs 6. You get like God. You get like God. God says, God is love. And God says, there are some things that I just can't stand. He said, there are some things that I abhor. There are some things that I just, I I can't stand to hear. I can't stand to look at. Turn to Proverbs 6. I'm going to show you. He said, it's six things. But then he goes on to say, there are really seven. Look at verse 16. Proverbs 6. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. He says, Verse, uh-huh, Proverbs 6 and 16. He said, these six things, the Lord what? Hates. In other words, he abhors. He abhor. He detests these six things. He said, yes, seven are an abomination to him. Let's see what they are. Let's see what they are. He says, a proud look. <laughs> oh, my God. He said, what? A lion tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, keep going, a heart that devises wicked plans, Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, feet that are swift and running to evil, come on, keep going, a false witness who speaks lies, and look at here, and one who sows discord among brethren. So he says, if you're wondering what it is that you and I should hate, What should we abhor? He said, I'm going to tell you what you should abhor. He said, you should abhor anything that looks proud. When there is pride in the place, God cannot stand pride. And let me tell you, when you love people enough, come on, tell them. When you love somebody enough and you see pride, that thing will cause you to say, oh, my God. I remember one time, and I, I kind of shared a story. I remember one time, uh, Desiree and I, it was when we first came to know each other. So it's been almost 10 years ago, but we first came to know each other, and, and we were um, sitting in a session, and we were talking. And, and, and Pastor Kay, as we were talking, Desiree was talking, and, you know, she was just flipping, 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 you know, head just going. And, I mean, she was just talking. And I started looking at her, and I really, because Miss Joy, at this point, I had spent a few weeks or so, some time with her, and I started loving her. I loved her heart of service. I love who she was. And I mean, my heart was for her. I had love for her. And all of a sudden, Desiree's talking, and I began to weep at the table. And I looked at her, and I said, ah, I start crying like, like an ugly cry. And, and, and she was looking like, what's wrong? I said, ah, that's pride. You got pride. And I mean, I just burst out crying. It disturbed me. It it hurt my heart so much because I know that God hates pride. And I know that she loves God. And so my desire was that she be in, get everything that God has for her. And I knew that pride could separate her because the Bible says pride cometh before the fall. But see, when you have real love for someone, you can look at it. You can say, hey, I don't like that thing. That's pride. We got to come get that. We got to tear that down. We got to get rid of it because it's not cute, boo. That's what real love. So he says, so if you want to know what you ought to be hating, you should hate pride. I was at an event the other day, and the girl just kept just, she was just taking so many selfies. She was going. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I'm teaching. What are you doing? Put the selfie up. Pride. And what happens is society is creating a whole bunch of pride for people. 
when you got pride, I could go to your Facebook, and if all I see is you. <laughs> it ain't because nobody else don't want you to post a picture. It's because you love you. I love me. You love me. So he said, if you want to know what this thing is that you should be hating, he says, you should hate pride. You should hate pride. You should hate lying. When you see people lying, you should hate that. But the love in you should love them enough to say, stop lying. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, come on. Holy Ghost just, ooh, he just going on today. He just going on. Not when you get off the phone with them and call somebody else and talk about, you know, she lies so much. Everything fall out his mouth. I, I'm looking for a bone to fall out in a minute. He just lies so much. No, love. Listen, he says you abhor what is evil. But if you look down in that verse, he said, but you cling to what is good. Cling there is like glue. He says you ought to despise. You ought to hate. Separate yourself from the things that are evil. But you ought to be like glue when it comes to stuff that's good. Anything that's glue, you ought to be stuck on. You ought to be like, I'm stuck with you. We stuck like Chuck. We together. So he says, you should hate lying. Here's this other one. Here's this other one. You, you see them all. But here's one that we have to watch so much. Sowing discord among the brethren. Sowing discord. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. I had to work on this one. Because what I thought it was. I thought it was prayer because, you know, I was a prayer warrior. So I thought it was prayer, Miss Joe. So I would just start talking, Sue, and I'd be talking about stuff. And then I said, well, let's just pray about it. But I don't already told you. And we don't already talked about it. So now when Elder Ray comes in, you're looking at Elder Ray sideways because I've already shared with you. Something about Elder Ray or something that disturbs me about him. So I have sown discord. I have put out disunity because what will happen is now you are no longer attached or connected to Elder Ray based upon what I told you. And he says, so the things that I'm looking for, when I say let love be sincere and you hate, I want you to hate talking about people. Hate talking about, listen, what they may have done might have been wrong. You may not have liked what they did. You might not have agreed with it, but stop talking about it. Because the reality is you don't have enough information to make that decision. Oh, come on, come on. I start interviewing myself. And what I start doing is I start making myself interview me. So whenever something would happen and a person would do something, I started this practice about five or six years ago because I realized if not, the devil's going to take me out. And he was going to get me off track with who I'm supposed to be. So what happened is when people would do stuff to me, this is what I started doing, sister. I start saying, you don't have enough information to make that decision. So, you know, they say, you know what she did that I... You don't have, I, I would tell self, you, you don't have enough information because I don't know. She could have had a bad night last night. She could not be feeling well. She could have forgotten and really be saying that based upon, you know, what she really recollects and she really don't know or he really don't know. So I start saying, I don't have enough. This is, when, when my husband had surgery, I remember when he started walking and getting back in the groove, he came in one time 
and he did not put the trash bag back in the trash can. So, you know, on a normal day, that would bother me. Now, I just finished getting back. You don't have therapy. Now you're back to walking. I'm mad because you didn't put the trash bag back in there. But when I got ready, I said, the Holy Spirit said, you don't have enough information. I said, oh, yeah, you're right. He said he could have gone down to the end of the driveway, and after coming back up, that could have been all he had to give. And so it may have been that he just didn't have enough strength to put the trash bag in there. That, that could have been it. Or it could have been that he forgot, you know, when he got back by, walked back by the kitchen, maybe not thinking anything. You don't have enough information to make a decision that will cause you to get off track and discord, or so discord. Because you know, mothers, we got a way, you know, when the kids come in the kitchen, they say, what's wrong? You know your dad. I don't know why he didn't put that bag back in there. So now you got the kids thinking dad just lazy because dad just didn't do. And then when they're looking at dad, they're looking at dad like, yeah, you never complete anything. Because mom said you didn't even put that trash bag back in there. It's sowing discord. Do you see what I'm saying? It's sowing discord. So he said we got to let our love be sincere and get to a place where we no longer allow evil to prevail. But we abhor what is evil and we cling. To what is good is that good look at look at verse look at verse 10 look at verse 10 he says not only going back to Romans 12 he says not only does genuine love produce this objectivity but genuine love produces this companionship companionship look at I'm gonna say companionship and affection companionship and affection look at he says be kindly affectionate to one another with what with brotherly love so he says be kindly affectionate in other words he says How we show that we really got this love is we ought to want to be with one another. Kindly affectionate means you want to be joined together. You want to spend time. See, that's why I have a problem with saints who say they don't want to spend time with saints. Because if we are together in the body, we ought to enjoy one another's companionship and relationship. So he says, this kind of love produces a companionship that says we're joined together. We want to spend time. But listen, we're also affectionate in brotherly love, in phileo. That's where we get Philadelphia from. It's phileo love. It's a brotherly love. It's a, it's a brotherly love. I got you. You got me. We, we got each other. He says, that's what kind of love this produces. When it's genuine, you genuinely want to be joined together and you genuinely want to help one another. Does that make sense? Let's go on. He says, you also have a genuine respect because he says you ought to be what? In honor and you should give preference to one another. In other words, you ought to have a respect for each other that says, I respect you so much that I want you to have what's best before I want me to have what's best. You you ever been a little kid? I, I always got little kid stories. You ever been a little kid and your friend asked for something? And they ask you for some gum, Ebony, and instead of you cutting the gum in half, you cut it at the end and you give them that tip and you take the big one. (laughs) And you say, here you go. And you think they should be satisfied with that piece. He says, no, in this walk as a believer, you ought to put it in half. And even if you had to, you should want them to have the bigger piece and you take the smaller. Because you ought to prefer what they want. Or, you know, somebody asks you for something, it's your last one, and you really wanted it. You like Della Reese in Harlem Nights, you had your mouth all fixed up. 
You know you wanted whatever it was. It's like they had some turkey salad. You know, give the person the turkey salad. It's the last scoop left. (laughs) So genuine love shows itself by being objective, by having a true companionship, by having true affection, true respect. And here's a, I want to give you a couple more. Having a true service. Look at verse 11, a true, a genuine service, genuine service. Look at verse, look at verse 11. He says, not lagging in diligence, but you ought to be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. This fervency is like a boiling. You know, when you boil a pot of water and it bubbles over, he says, you ought to have your Desire to serve the Lord should be bubbling over, should be boiling. You should be running to figure out, oh my gosh, how can I serve God? Where do I need to be? What do I need to do? What do they need me? It shouldn't be, well, you know, I got class tomorrow, so I'm not going to be able to do that. Or, you know, I got to work. No, he says it should be this bubbling up where you look for ways to serve. Here's the next one. He says you should also, listen to this. Be genuine in prayer. So rejoicing in hope, patient when it's tribulation. But listen, you ought to be continuing steadfastly in prayer. There should never be a time when you let up off of praying. There should never be a time when you pull back. If anything, when stuff starts happening, you need to push in some more. You need to press in. Make yourself pray. Even when you don't want to pray, when things go bad, I'm telling you, if you press into prayer, you'll watch God shake some things. Because let me tell you, what prayer does is prayer may not change the situation, but prayer will change you. It will change you. It will change our minds. Here's the last one I want to give to you. So he says genuine objectivity, genuine companionship, genuine affection. Genuine respect, service, prayer. Here's the last one, verse 13. Genuine practicality. So he says you ought to be practical. This love ought to make you practical. Where you are distributing to the needs of the saints, given, another verse that says, pursuing hospitality. Now, sometimes when we think about hospitality, and this is where I'm going to land at, when we think about hospitality, we just think about people coming over, we giving them something to eat, you know. No, no, no. When he's talking about this hospitality here, people used to travel. You remember the man on Jericho Road? What happened to the man on Jericho Road? He got beat up. He said, but this is what happens when you and I pursue hospitality. We prevent or help people from being hurt injured or killed because we see there is a need and we jump in to go and help to go and meet the need to go and find out what is it that I can do to help you so that you're not hurt injured or killed so this hospitality is not just about baking a dish and bringing it over ding dong I'm your neighbor from 220 no it's about looking to see pursuing looking to see where can I be a help and where can I help people to get their needs met. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, 